Hey guys, just a couple things before I kick off this episode. This was supposed to be an episode on some other topics, and sometimes what happens, especially with my buddy Chris Rowe, is I ask one little question about hunting elk, and we go for two hours talking elk. And so I thought, what we'll do is I'll bring Chris back on, you know, pretty soon to talk about the topics that I really wanted to cover, and we'll release this episode a month early for our 2022 School of September series. So this uh, this episode is action-packed. If you've uh, listened to Chris before, you know that he is just a wealth of information, especially when it comes to hunting elk, uh, vocalizing with elk. Uh, he is a he's a wildlife biologist, and so these are. It's coming from a place of a lot of study, science, research, education, um, all these things that kind of tie into a lot of the themes that we talk about for the School of September. So I think you're going to really, really like this episode. I do have to give you a fair warning. I made the inglorious mistake to, uh, you know, try and out this new recording software that is kind of like a Zoom, but specific for podcasts and stuff. And and it, yeah, I'm just going to be honest with you, it sucked. <laughs> it did not work out as expected. We got cut off halfway through, and then we had to reconnect via Zoom because that other software wasn't working. Uh, so you can you can imagine, I'm not going to be paying for that software. Uh, it's going back, but it uh, we reconnect with Zoom, and I forgot that when I'm connected to Zoom, I have to plug my microphone directly into my laptop instead of my soundboard. So I'm coming through on the on the laptop side. It's just me complaining about the audio quality. I know it's it's just not great. I hate it when my audio quality is not um, you know first rate, as as good as I can make it. And in this case, Chris sounds great throughout the entire episode. Um, and, and my audio is super questionable. So for that, I, I know it's not as pleasant to listen to, but, uh, the main points that are discussed are all discussed from, from Chris, who sounds pretty good. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode and it's a hell of a first episode for our, our 2022 school of September series. Here it is March and we are counting down the days till September. So it's time to start putting in the time and the, and the, the effort to get as much knowledge between those ears as you can prior to hitting those elk woods coming up this September. Really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to this season of School of September series episodes. And with that, let's just get right into it with my friend Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources. All right, guys, we are going to jump back on the line with a crowd favorite. <laughs> the legendary Chris Rowe is back with us here on the Western Huntsman. Are you ready? Are you ready for September? September, September, September. Because it's coming. Welcome to the next installment of the School of September series, brought to you by the Western Huntsman Podcast, in conjunction and partnership 
with Phelps game calls and Spree Extreme Mountain Gear. Elk Hunting 201. is in session. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And I have got Mr. Chris Rowe on the line over way over in the uh, beautiful American Midwest over there in Kansas. Is that right, Chris? You still in Kansas? Or are you in, you threatened you might be in Colorado, but you're back home. Yeah, I just got back home. So I was in Colorado for two weeks at a project, and now I'm back. back and I'm I'm loving it because we're getting a nice drizzle of rain right now, the first real moisture we've had and I don't know how long. So, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, you guys had a kind of a dry winter, huh? Oh, it's, yeah, we are. We're in a bad, bad way as far as dry. Oh, that's yeah. not good. That's yeah, not good. No, no so, bro, it's, it's uh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, it seems like we've had like the two extremes because I've had a pretty extreme winter, but it's only like super regional to where I'm at. Like I, yeah. you know, I drive, I drive an hour and a half South and, and shoot, they don't even have any snow. Yeah. And that's, uh, and that's exactly, oh, sorry. I was going to say that's exactly what was right. That? You know, if you look at, um, even here in Kansas, I mean, you go 30 minutes one way or the other and, or you go across the, the border up in Nebraska in a couple of ways. I mean, hell, they, you wouldn't know anything's wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's lo- it's so localized, but yeah, our little pocket is just brutal. God, that sucks for, uh, what you're doing with the, with the hunting farm and, oh. and, uh, <laughs> yeah. How's, how's spring Turkey looking though? Oh, I think we're going to be, I think we're going to have another good season. You know, our historically, our population, our bird population is still way down from what it used to be, which is pretty common across the, the range of birds across the United States right now. But the, the, Silver lining is, is this past year, um, and maybe it was because we didn't have really bad weather, but whatever the case, we had a, just an incredible uh, nest success last spring into where we've, we've got a bunch of young birds on the landscape. So there's just a pile of jakes running around, which for next year will be great because we'll have a pile of two years. So if, if nothing else, I'm hoping that maybe – you know, it's going to be a dry spring, but if we have another good na- nest success, we could we could bounce back and be back in, into some really good numbers. But so for our stuff, we're still going to limit everybody to just one bird, uh, unless you know it, you know, unless a bunch of birds move in. But um, yeah, so I, I'm I think it's going to be a good spring, but it's not like it used to be. Still, so. sure, sure. Well, I'm uh, I'll be pulling for you for uh, for that one. Cause yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like we're, we're going to have a great season up here, but, nice. um, like the, the turkeys are actually becoming pests. There's so many of them. Uh, they're everywhere other than my dog chases them off my property. So, um, <laughs> that doesn't make it for, for much fun, but had the, I had my daughters out shooting shotguns the other day, uh, yesterday, in fact. So that was our first time I got them both, uh, on a, on my old 20 gauge that I've had since I was like 10 years old. And, nice. uh, they're both cracking away and pretty good shots. So now all I got to do is, is uh, follow through and actually call one in for them. We'll see nice. how it goes. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. 
Um, well, I appreciate you coming back on, man. Um, uh, like I said, I, I, I think I told you this last time. You're one of the you're one of the dudes. When I get on the show, um, I get a ton of requests to get you back on uh, because you're a wealth of information. And I, I, I think that you just have this really unique delivery style with how you how you formulate whatever we're talking about. And you and I tend to go all over the damn place, which we, we probably will tonight. Um, but but people really respond to it. And so it, it means a lot. I appreciate you coming on. I, I heard you on uh, Aaron Snyder's podcast the other day. And so <laughs> so for you to make time for little old me, I tell you what, I appreciate it. No, I, I go. I mean, hell, I, I enjoy our conversations. That's why I come on. I don't care about what the, you know, it, I enjoy. I just said, there you go. I enjoy our conversations. I, I enjoy the back and forth. And, and I appreciate the those that feedback and I appreciate all your listeners listening and, and I appreciate their feedback. Cause yeah, no, I just, you know, I've got my opinions and, and, you yep. know, I, I've been around the block a little bit. I've seen it, you know, I've been in some diverse situations and so hopefully maybe I can bring a different perspective to the table. That's kind of what, you know, and I, I you messaged me and you talked about my podcast episode 30. It's just, you know, and I think we'll yeah. get a little bit into that later, but you know, just we we've got to ha- we've got to start having some honest conversations. And we do. Some of them are going to be uncomfortable, and some of them aren't going to go the right the way we maybe think the the dialogue goes. But you know, wh- who is it? You know, I think Ronald Reagan was the one that was attributed to it. I don't know if he's the one who came up with it, but you know, they are saying you know if everybody in the room is in agreement and someone's not thinking. Yep. And so. If that's what my job has to be, okay, I'll, I'll be the contrarian. I'll <laughs> I'll play the devil's advocate. And I joke about it. I've got it here. I've got it right behind me. If I need to put my black hat on and my my bad guy hat and put my black hat mm-hmm. on, I will. <laughs> this and that's what I love about doing podcasts is, it, you know, this thing has evolved big time for me. When I first started it, I I was unsure of where to dip my toes in what water. Does that make sense? I, I, I was uneasy 100%. about maybe maybe talking about certain topics, uh, worried about turning people off or, or upsetting some people. Man, I don't give a shit about that anymore. And um, I, I don't know if it's for the better or not, but I feel like it is because the podcast is growing like crazy. And good. so I, I, I feel like that's a good thing. And I just I, I think that you nailed it. And we need to we need to start having conversations where we don't have filters. We don't have we're not worried about upsetting somebody if we're telling the truth. And we're talking about things that make people uncomfortable and and shining a light on on some things that need to be recognized. Otherwise, you know, stuff's going to go south for us. We're, we're going to we're going to have a pretty bleak future if we don't address a lot of this. So uh, and that's what I, yeah. I really appreciate about having you on. Um, I want to start out, though. Because you've got, uh, you know, with what you're doing in Kansas, in and you're managing this land for for uh, wild game and hunting, um, and I, I just I, I can't get enough of the stories that you tell sometimes on your podcast. Uh, which, by the way, folks, if 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 you're living under a rock, row hunting resources, <laughs> um, check out the podcast because it's super enlightening. And uh, in fact, I you know what I just watched? I I actually watched a video of you uh, on the Elk Collective today. Oh, which today, one? that that one where you're um you've got the big five point kind of calling across this canyon and that that younger bull is closer and you're just cow calling with like these assembly muse 
and that anxious little mirror that you do, um, the frustrated <laughs> mew, I think is what you called it. And that bull comes right up the side of the ridge, right to your left. You kind of turn the camera and that sucker just stops. And, and you, I, I think, I, I don't remember if you whispered it or if you wrote it on the, on the screen there where, you know, he's right directly downwind. He's going to catch your scent at any moment. Like right when you say that, that nose goes straight up in the air. That bull starts looking around. He can't see you. He starts peeing all over himself yep. and then turns around and runs back down. It's a pretty cool video. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and, and the whole point behind that is, and part of that text in there is when you see, you know, the urination, there's a lot of different behavior that goes into that. So, you know, you can have the bulls in the rut where they're spraying all over themselves and everything else. Well, this one, if you watch, if, if it's the one, it was, I, what was I up in the high country and the Alpine, is that the one you were talking about where he comes out of the timber up through the willows and he's climbing up? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So what in that case is, yeah, the wind was swirling around and I could tell he's going to get downwind. And if you watch them, yeah, you can watch their head go up, but one big indication to keep an eye out for is if they don't, if, well, let me rephrase it. If they start to urinate, just dribble urine straight, not spraying it, not doing it. Just all you'll see is just, just pee starts dribbling out, mm-hmm. falling straight. That is a sure sign that yeah, they're nervous and they're getting ready to leave. And he's leery. Something. Oh something yeah, up. he know yeah. he knows something's up. He's gonna just dribble out a little bit of urine. And then part of the other educational component of that video was, you know, which way is he gonna bolt when he when he spins and he goes to run? Which way is he going to go? You know, some people talk about oh, if if I if I'm at full draw and I the bull's at the wrong angle and he's gonna spin and and leave, I'll I'll just time it and send it. Well. That's fine if he's going to spin it, and I do, I would argue maybe that's not fine. But you know, if he spins away from you, maybe. But just like you saw that one, no, the way yeah, that terrain right is, yeah, he's he's going to spin towards you and then away. So, yeah, that's yeah. why I shared a lot of that stuff on you know just some of that stuff on the Elk Collective, and there's a bunch of that and on my you know the Elk Hunting Institute and then in the on the website at Rowani Resources. Yeah, it's it, because the I think you called it a uh, you called that video like the targeted bull call in or, or, or sequence or something like that. I can't remember. Targeted, targeted cow calling strategy. So I start cow calling. Yeah. Yeah. Targeted. Yeah. And so I I talk all the time about, you've got passive strategies, what I call a targeted strategy. And then maybe what you could say is, is an aggressive strategy. And for me, I always, I will always go, uh, well, not always, but the vast majority of calling I do is going to be always a targeted strategy. I'm going to start off, you know, I, I may, try to locate, you know, or, or, you know, try to figure out where a bull is by using a contact bugle or something like that, just to get him to sound off. But if I mm-hmm. set up and I get ready, most of the time, if I get set up and I get ready to call that animal in, it's going to be a targeted strategy, opening up that conversation with a lost mew, asking for a response, getting that response vocal or otherwise. And then as soon as, you know, as soon as I know that he's, he's engaged with me, he's, we're, we're having that conversation then, like you said, I'm going to roll into those assembly mews and I'm just going to tell them I want, you know, if my setup is right now, if my setup is wrong or, or I'm still working my way in, I will continue to use that loss mew just to kind of keep him interested while I'll get myself set up in that doorway where I know I can get him to mm-hmm. come in. But um, once I'm set to where I know I'm in a good setup, I'm, I'm in a good doorway. I know that, you know, the avenue that he's likely to approach. I just turn and hit those assembly mews and tell him, I want you to come to me. And, and that's why you see him do what he's doing in that curiosity state. He's not aggressive. He's not, you know, 
over, you know, he's, he's not pissed off. He's not coming and looking for a fight. Now, again, yeah, this no. is just, he's a young bull, but he's just going to come in and, you know, again, my tagline, call him to your toes. I mean, yep. just, I, I want him point blank. That's, you know, if I, I'm still, I'm hoping I can do it at some point. I've had the chance to do it in the past and I just, just didn't take the opportunity because I wasn't thinking about it. But one of these days I'm going to get a fistful of hair. <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt you. I don't doubt you. You, you know why? The, you have like this super clean formulated way. And, and as you're, you're talking on the video, like these videos, this is why I really enjoy watching your videos on, on row hunting resources or, um, or in right there in the elk collective, uh, both of them. So you've got like, it's, it's just this really clean sequence. You know exactly what the bull is going to do. And I know, you know, yeah. because you, you kind of, sh- you call out a play by play. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I was, I was looking at that bull and I was thinking, man, if I was that close to that bull and he's standing there like that, I, I'd be half tempted to, to send one, but I know if I do that, like I have a 90% chance of, uh, hitting him in the wrong spot. And right, right when I'm thinking that yeah. uh, you, you pull up that text to, to not yep. shoot. Um, I, I know I, like 10 years ago, I would have taken that shot. And, yeah, and, and, and so, yeah, know. that, yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, that's the thing is he comes in and, and everybody, you know, whether it's Corey or other people, I, I like a frontal shot. I really do. And I know mm-hmm. Corey has talked about that quite a bit as well, but that's a, I mean, you're not talking about a quartering two, you're talking about frontal or broadside. Now, obviously you've seen probably my other hunt, my, one of the later bulls that I've just killed. It was, you know, he was quartering to me but he was a hard quartering. He was almost frontal mm-hmm. to where I knew that I'd be like, all right, well, well, not, not that he was almost frontal, but he was hard quartering to where I knew where I could get that, that arrow through the center of his chest. And so, you know, on that particular call in that you're talking about his, that shoulder, the way he was downhill and the way his shoulder, that knuckle of that shoulder bone, that leg bone was right there. I mean, it took up the center of everything vital that you wanted to hit to where if you had tried to thread an arrow in there, you could either, you could have either tried to go just to the right of that knuckle and you would have hit one lung and liver, or you would have just center punched the liver and guts, or you would have hit the, uh, to the left side of that knuckle. And you probably would have only caught the offside lung. Now, if you were lucky, you would have caught maybe, um, you know, the, the, maybe the bronchial tubes or something like that, you would have, but you would have caught that one offside lung and man, you hit an elk in one lung, they are going to go a hell of a long way. And when you're up in that big country like that and you, well, I don't know if you saw that or watch, I can't remember which ones I put up there, but that big five by that, the reason why part of the, I mean, he was a younger bull than I wanted, but the big five by five I was after was like right behind me. So, uh-huh you watch that video and, and I actually, I missed that bull. And, and when I went to go pick up my arrow, I didn't realize his cows were still standing there looking at me. And when they saw me move, they blew out and they literally left the entire Alpine basin, which was, they, that I, they had to have run it just, just in visual range, a mile and a half, two miles. Oh yeah. Easy and they just, they, they just vacated. They just left yeah. the entire, they crossed up and around the base and up over the other side and, and just down off. I mean, just left the mountain. Yeah. They're, they're in a new zip code. Yeah. And to your yeah. point, what, what you were talking about hitting that one lung, 
um, you're that that is going to be a long track job. Uh, yeah. And and I think I I feel like and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like recovery at that point is I mean your best odds are are fifty fifty maybe. Yeah. Well, uh, and you're hoping you're hoping that he bleeds well. Number one. Yeah. Yeah. And number two, you're hoping that you know you don't inadvertently believe you made a good hit to where you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna you know I'll wait my typical 30 minutes and then I'll go down and after him and see if I can find him. Cause if you've watched my other videos on there, so if you go on the, the website, you know, I, on YouTube, I shared, uh, anybody goes to my YouTube channel, uh, row hunting resources, you can look up the elk hunt, uh, high country redemption and you can oh, watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that same pocket of timber, that same area, um, I, it, the same, I mean, it was the same season. Um, I went in there and called the six by six in. Okay. So I could, so for the whole continuity of the context of it. So the video you, you originally referenced that small young bull, he comes out of that mm-hmm. pocket of timber. He spooks, goes back down the timber. I hear the bull I'm at, I'm after that, that about five year old. Yeah. Big five point. I go over get set up. I use the exact same calling strategy. I use a targeted strategy. Now I did bugle, got a response. So I knew exactly where he was, went up, got set up in the willows, used a targeted strategy, pulled him into 30 yards broadside. But me be, I was trying to, you know, I video everything myself. So it's a solo deal. So I'm calling, shooting and videoing. And the way he was moving, I needed to move the camera one more time but me moving the camera, he kind of saw a little something. And then me trying to get my release on the string, and pu- I, I just flubbed it. I just, I just completely flubbed it, missed the shot. So he blows out, he follows, his, uh, the cows blows out, he follows them, they leave. So the next day I'm, I just come back and I'm like, well, good luck, Chris. What do you, I mean, this was that, that was the main group <laughs> in this whole valley. So yeah. I just climbed back up onto the same spot and I was like, well, let me just see if anything else is around. And lo and behold, here's a, some of those cows had come back this time. They've got a small six by six with them. And I kind of talk about that whole scenario, but that the relevant point behind that hunt is he comes in 11 yards broadside. I pull back, I shoot, I think I 12 ring the thing. Bull runs off about 40 yards. I can't, he's behind some willows, so I don't have another shot, but he stands there for 15 minutes. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And finally I see him just kind of ease down the hill. So I, I'm, you know, at this point, my head's going, okay, something's not, I know where I, I, I believe I knew where that arrow hit 11 yards. Mm -hmm. Come on. And then, so I'm like, what the hell? So anyway, long story short, I ended up bumping him, having to come back the next day. Uh, after 16 hours, I'm just grid searching this pocket of timber. And literally, it's so thick in there, I come around a corner and here he is bedded, very much alive, uh, about 15 yards away. And I, over to- over a course of I don't know how long, I finally was able to get another arrow in him and finish the job. But I mean, I ended up getting what I, he was angled enough that I didn't realize that when I shot, he was already curling away. And so I got uh-huh. liver and offside lung mm. and 16 hours later, I mean, he was hurting. He was, he would, he would have died, but 
the fa- I, I, the only reason why I found him is he stayed in that tiny little postage stamp of timber. And I just basically grid searched the entire piece of timber until I stumbled upon him. When, when you stumbled upon him and he's 15 yards away laying there, was he looking at you? Did he know you were there? He knew he was sick enough. It, it, luckily, I don't, I, I, I walked right above him not too long before that. So my guess is he knew I was there, but he was feeling sick and he was just going to stay hunkered. And when mm-hmm. I came back on, on, so I was just doing transects, you know, north, south, north, south, north, south through this chunk of tent. We basically found contour lines and I would drop another 50 yards and do another contour line and drop another 50 yards. That way I could just pick it apart. So when I came back through, I, as I cut, when I say come around a corner, it really kind of was, it, it was the way the terrain was. I come around and there was a big thicket of uh, Engelman spruce there that he was bedded behind. And then on on one side of it is a big thick chunk of, of Engelman spruce. On the other side is a big downed log that he could just barely look over. So where he was kind of tucked in there and luckily he was facing away from me. Oh, wind gotcha. was luckily the wind was still blowing up the hill. And that's, that is why I, I transect the way I did. I got to the top. The wind was coming up. Prevailing wind was coming up. So I start started at the top so I could use my nose uh, as long as, as well as my eyes to try to smell this thing. And, and as I came around that corner, all I see, uh, I see this rump, just elk rump laying there. And as soon as you see the rump, mm-hmm. you're like, what the, oh, antlers, bam. Oh, that's him. <laughs> and there he is. Yeah. And so you know, immediately freeze. You're like, you know, of course his head's up and he's kind of looking around a little bit. Whoop, did I lose um, you there, buddy? And of course, at that point, the wind starts swirling like it typically does. And then you're like, son of a, you know, and yeah, take the boots off, put, drop the pack, take the boots off, you know, just, I mean, 15, 20 minutes just to cover, I think 10 yards of repositioning just so I could thread an arrow through a tiny little hole and all the dead branches at that point, it was one of those things where I can see his chest and I can see ribs. I don't even care where this arrow goes. I just, I, you know, I want to get, get an arrow as deep. Yeah. Get yeah. an arrow as deep into that chest as I can and just try to end it. And luckily, luckily the angle and everything, the way it was is basically, I, you know, went in and took the top of his heart off. So he made one effort to try to get up and just flipped over backwards and down the hill. He, I mean, he just, he stood up, fell over dead. Huh? And then I bawled like a baby for about <laughs> 10 minutes. Oh, it just, it was just an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. But that's the thing is yeah. they can suck up so much damage. Um, oh man, they that- seriously can. And the, the, uh, I'm always blown away with the amount of blood that you could find and yeah. how far they still go. Yeah. Yeah. Y- you know, I, I know it's, it's an 800 pound animal or 700, pound, whatever they, they end up being, um, but still, but still, like you, you look at some, sometimes I've, I, I followed a blood trail and y- you know, that is the distance, you know, these things go, they, these suckers go straight down and then straight back up and then straight down the next drainage over. And, and I'm following this blood trail and it's like, how is this thing still alive? It's, yeah. it's a, it's just a, a bloodbath the entire way. Yeah. And that's the thing is if, I mean, if you get a good double long hit or, you know, you know, just right smack in the boiler room. They usually don't go far. Uh, yeah, no, because, I, this, this was a bad hit I'm talking about. I, it yeah, was a bad hit. Part of, and, and part of the reason for that is, is 
that adrenaline spikes. If if they if they're not dead, I mean they're going to get hit. If they're mortally injured right away, their body's going to their body knows that they're going to go in immediate shock, and it's just the whole system's going to shut down. Yeah. But if it's a bad hit and it's not a mortal hit, a lot of times that excuse me that adrenaline will spike, and you get that adrenaline spiked in that animal. They, I mean, it just hell. They'll just, I mean, it's amazing what they'll what blows, they'll do. Yeah, blows my mind. It blows. Up. I mean, even deer. I've seen deer go a lot oh, yeah. further than than what I um what I would imagine. Uh, you know. Anyway, but it's it's crazy. It's it's an interesting thing. And again, going back to kind of you specifically, your perspective because you're um. Just in case somebody doesn't know, uh, give us your your uh, your background in terms of you know your your biology uh, degree, you know whatever you you studied because yeah. I I've just I'm like drawing a blank here because I the my system keeps showing me that I'm having a problem on my hand. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah. So I was just gonna say you are on my end anyway. You are cutting out every now and then for a couple seconds. Okay. Okay, you cut out too just just a, a little bit ago, but it seemed to recover fast. So we'll we'll just keep rolling. Heck with it. Anyway, um, it, it, in terms of your professional background, give us give us uh, the, the audience an idea of, of uh, what you do and what how you got there. Yeah, yeah. So you know, growing up, uh, my grandfather was a game warden in upstate New York and got me in. You know, you know, fired up about fishing and hunting and got me into turkey hunting and and growing it up on farm country of upstate New York. Uh, I got a taste of fly fishing for trout, which I fell in love with and, and then, uh, turkey hunting. And what really kicked me off of turkey hunting was the first time that I could actually talk to the animals and actually get them to do what I wanted them to do. I could make them come to me. And so that just translated over my grow you know, my kid years growing up. I said, you know, I had two, I had two career paths. One, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. And then if I couldn't do that, I was going to be a wildlife biologist. Well, on my, I don't know what birthday it was, but early teens, I ended up getting my birthday present was a set of glasses. So yeah. there goes, there goes the fighter, <laughs> there pilot, goes the fighter pilot. So I guess I'm going to be a wildlife biologist. And so, yeah, I mean, I was always passionate about it. I, I went to school for wildlife biology. Uh, I went, started off in uh, Wisconsin, ran out of money, joined the military Spent some time there, had some fun, and then decided, now I want to get back in the real world. And so I ended up at Colorado State University, finished up my degree there. But while I was there, got involved with an elk research study uh, that my job for, geez, oh, Pete, I don't remember how many years now, uh, was literally in the summertime going up and spending the entire summer in like very close proximity of cows with their calves and, and recording behavioral interactions between cows and calves. And there you go. I mean, I was already passionate about uh, hunting. I was already passionate about turkey hunting. I had gotten a taste of uh, elk hunting in Washington state on the Olympic Peninsula when I was stationed in Fort Lewis. And mm-hmm. so when I obviously I get to Colorado, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm doing turkey hunting. I'm doing deer hunting. I'm doing elk hunting. I'm, I'm going all in. And I started off like everybody else does with, you know, following the Larry D. Jones and Dwight Shue and, you know, uh, Chuck Adams and Will Primos and all the other guys and ended up getting on the Primos pro staff for a while and had success. But what really started to 
give me consistent, efficient success was taking the stuff that I was seeing on the summer range between cows and calves and other bulls and such, and then applying that. So yeah, fast forward to 2010, you know, as I'm doing the seminars for, for Primos, there's only so many seminars you can give on how to blow a diaphragm or how to use an open read style call or how to blow a bugle sure. or whatever. So on my seminars, since I'm the guy that's got to get up there and flap his gums at you, I was going to at least try to provide a value added benefit to where it wasn't just a stupid, boring calling seminar. So I started talking about behavior and people just were fascinated. And so once 2010 hit and internet was easy enough for people to make content and put it up there, I started row hunting resources to where I could take all that biological, behavioral, ecology, vocalizations, communication, and, and put it up where people could learn about it. And um, yeah, and, and it's video based. So that way, again, here we are talking, you know, I enjoy this, but quite honestly, anybody can flap their gums at you, you know, show me, you know, pretend I'm from Missouri, show me. Yeah. Show, so, show me the money. If, yeah. So if I'm going to say an elk does this or an elk says that, well, that's fine. But what I'm going to do with Row Hunting Resources website at the elk module, the Elk Hunting Institute is I'm going to put an elk in front of you and you can watch the elk do it. And then you can argue with them. You, you yeah. can see what I'm seeing. You can hear what I'm hearing. You get to sit there and watch a cow communicate to her calf. You get to watch the calf communicate with a cow. You get to watch the cow communicate with another cow or cows to bulls, bulls with other bulls. And you can literally see who's talking to who, who's responding, who's not responding. What are they responding to? And when they do respond, how are they responding and why? That's the yeah. whole point behind it. So where my, my I, goal I is question yeah, yeah. about, about that. Uh, what, cause, cause you're exactly right. When you're, when you're showing these videos, you like have a way of presenting what is about to happen before the elk does it. And so it, <laughs> it, I, I, I used to think, okay, man, this guy's got some like, he's like the elk whisperer or something. He, he, he's got some kind of foresight that I, I I'll never have because I'm just not smart enough. <laughs> but I, the, the question I have is, does that date back to in your younger days when you're doing that summer range, um, Colorado elk study and you're close enough to like hear elk vocalizations. Is that where you started putting all of that together where it's like, okay, that's the lead cow. And she's 100%. saying, everybody get over here or, 100%. or that that's where that kind of came from. All, all of that came from. And once you start looking at that and you hear it consistently, whether it's, and this is the other thing too. So, so I started on the summer range and then I went out hunting and used it and had success, but then I'd go back up, you know, again, I lived in Colorado, so I had have access to Rocky Mountain National Park and Estes Park and, you know, Highlands Ranch and some of these other places that had elk in them to where you uh -huh. go out on the winter range now, mid December, mid January, February, and hear the exact same vocalizations. And you watch the same animals doing it. You get to sit there and watch the exact same reaction, exact same response to the, so this is where those fundamental, this is why I hound so much on the fundamentals of elk communication. I do not play to testosterone most of the time when I'm hunting because I don't typically have the benefit of knowing the entire history of the bull I'm going after. So I'm going to start at the bedrock foundation of what they do every single day of the year. And then I will build up from there. And to your point, you know, I, I get that a lot and I, and I laugh that where you said, you know, I seem to know what's going to happen and I, I call it out first. Yeah. I, I like, <laughs> um, so what you're talking about is those strategies and actions video. So 
on the website, you got the fundamentals, you get the background stuff, and then you've got the behavior, you know, get the behavior stuff, then you got the fundamentals of vocalizations and communication. Then you got the gallery, which you get to watch elk just hours and hours of just elk interacting with other elk, not in a hunting scenario. And then the strategies in action and the whole point behind the strategies in action. It's, it's one thing to have an encounter and then basically do an after action review on it and say, okay, here's what I think I just saw. That's fine. Sometimes though, you might be, you might be incorrect. If you truly know what you're doing, if you truly know behavior, if you truly know elk vocalizations and communication, and you truly believe it, then you should be able to go into a situation and go, okay, the bull is over there or the, or the the cows are there and the bull's there. If I truly know what the hell I'm talking about, I should be able to say, okay, these elk are over here. These elk are in this situation. So based on what I know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up here. I'm going to set up this way. I'm going to use these vocalizations because I want this. I want to, again, the targeted strategy is my baby. I'm going to use a targeted strategy. I'm going to, I'm going to open the line of communication. They're going to do this. And once they do that, I'm going to switch. I'm going to go to assembly mew or, you know, frustrated wines. I'll embellish it or whatever, but I'm going to use, I'm going to tell them what to do. And this should be the response. And quite honestly, I think the animal's going to be there. And that's why the camera is focused right smack. And how many, how many videos do I have of that? Tons. Okay, so that's 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 why I enjoy that. Now, again, the, get, the problem crazy videos, man. You get like you get videos of elk making, or I'm sorry, cows making noises that I have never heard. <laughs> you, yeah, you're like right off the highway sometimes, and and that uh, that is the beautiful thing about Estes Park and Rocky Mountain National Park. Yeah, and and yeah, some yeah. people say, you know, and and there's a lot of uh, content creators out there now that have pages that they're they're in the park all the time. The beautiful thing about having the park, some people will criticize it, but the benefit of it is the elk don't pay any attention to the people. Yeah. The, the people become superfluous. So now you get, you're still watching them in their natural state, but now you get to stand next to them. They're not running you know, to the next county because they're scared of human scent or human presence. So yeah. you get to encounter that. And then the other thing too is because there's human, in, you know, roads, cars, houses, there's natural obstructions and and interruptions in their behavior to where it oftentimes will encourage them to vocalize more often to keep chabs on one another, just to keep the herd together, find their calf, whatever. So there, there's a good benefit of, of having that resource uh, available. You just have to understand what you're looking at and, and come to it from a behavioral ecology evolutionary biology standpoint. So you can kind of say, okay, let's break it down to the bare foundation of what we're actually seeing. I, I would love to have that experience that like you had where you spent out. that summer and, and, uh, or, or going into the park, like Estes park. I, I would love to have that experience. I, cause I, I've never had that man. I, I, I've, I mean, that's not true. I, you know, I have made the obligatory, you know, trek to Yellowstone with the kids. Sure. And, and those elk are, um, I think they're even, they're, they're more so in like Estes park or, or Rocky, Rocky mountain park than they are in like Yellowstone, Yellowstone. They're still pretty leery. Right. Yeah. And now, uh, actually last time I went to Yellowstone, I didn't see any elk. Um, but 
the funny how that works. Isn't that funny? Where the hell was I going with this? Oh, you were just as far as as far as your ability to get into those situations where you get to experience those vocalizations. You haven't, you know, even in Yellowstone, you haven't been able to get into those vocalizations. Yeah, exactly. Now, I did have a scenario this last September that was super interesting, uh, where I I knew this this herd bull is bedded up with his cows up on up on the top of this hill, right? So I I kind of sneak up on him. And I should have done what you talk about and used used a little bit more cow vocalization, but um, I'm a simpleton, so I ripped off a big nasty bugle, <laughs> right? And and it worked. Okay. I mean, the, the bull the bull comes in like like thunder. But okay, uh, good, good, good. And, and I'm I'm not trying to repeat the story. So so guys listening, I, I'm sorry. This is the same bull that I got my bow hung up in my camera and didn't get to shoot him. So anyway. Fast forward to that point, bull runs off and he goes up and over the hill, drops down about, he's probably a hundred yards from me and, and just lets off this, what I think I learned from you, um, I've watched so many videos over the years, uh, it is, is he's letting off this big roundup bugle. He's letting everybody know to, to, to gather over here, but the cows weren't having his shit. So the one cow which I'm taking as the lead cow. When I, when, by the way, going back to when I when I let off that big nasty bugle, he bugles back, but the cows all chimed in. And this is midday, by the way. This is about eleven o'clock, and so I knew they were just kind of bed, bedded up there. I've been monitoring these these uh, these elk for a while. They all the cows start chiming in, and they're like just going crazy, mewing left and right, and they're doing that that high pitch down to the low meow, like that. Come here. Get over here. What yeah. are you doing over there? You know, but that pissed the bull off. And, and so, um, fast right, forward. So hold, hold, hold. Oh, okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish your story. And then I, then I want to ask you some questions. Okay. Bull runs off and, and I hear him bugling over the hill. Lead cow is 30 yards to my left. And for some reason does not notice me standing there. I'm, I'm in some willows. This is pretty thick country up here. But she's she's sit standing there looking kind of in my direction like she's still looking for this this uh, first bull that bugled me and she starts mewing and then she like takes a bite of, of uh, uh, some of the brush right you know right around there and, and she's chewing on it and then she'll mew and then she'll take another bite and but keeps her head up and she's just kind of watching and then she just kind of meanders off. I go up to the top and almost step on another bedded cow who noticed me but didn't jump up. She just kind of looked at me, and, and it's pretty dark timber, so I don't think that they realized what I was, right? They, they just couldn't yeah. quite pick up on what was going on. There's a little spike standing there. I, I, I had a little debate with myself whether or not just to get this thing over with and drop that spike because uh, my tag's good for either way, well, open bull. Um, let him walk. Cause I, I want, I, I was hoping that big bull would come back cause he had a drop tie on his left side. He was huge, he, big old bull. Um, anyway. And then finally it's like they realized, and I don't know if it was scent or sight, but they realized, uh, I, I was trouble and they, they got up and left and, and ran down into the, into those, that, uh, thick willow, uh, brushy area down below. Um, I had a purpose of telling you this story. Where was I going with this? God, my, my <laughs> <laughs> oh, it that's what it was. It was just that was the first time I've I've heard elk uh, cows uh, mew. I, I, yeah. I've heard a lot of them, but I've never heard them 
in concert with each other, all mewing at the same time like that. Like it was chaos. It was chaos. It was the first time I've ever heard that. And it was super cool sounding. And also I'll point out, it was kind of eerie sounding. Like it, it was, there was something different about it. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and that's the thing is it's hard without, without being there and, and seeing, you know, exactly what's going on. You know, it sounds yeah. like, so, you know, again, I talk about all the time, the, the cows are not going to get up and start vocalizing like that. Unless something has disturbed that group, they're they're up on their feet doing something, and yeah. it sounds like to me that group now may I and again I don't know may you know you cut out a little bit there so I, I missed some of it so you you'd had a big you know you you bugled and you know he sounded off but um, it you know whether a couple of the cows bumped and, and moved off or if you maybe bumped a, even without knowing it bumped the spike I've had that before where you know you bump one animal they don't really, they, they don't do anything except run into the middle of the group for safety. And then the rest Mm -hmm. of the group is like, what the hell is going on there? And all of a sudden somebody jumps up and takes off out of a reaction, but has no idea why they're just, it was just that flight or, you know, fight or flight response where they just, I'm running. And then they run 50 to hundred yards and they're like, what the hell was that? I don't know. And then all of a sudden here come the vocalizations going nuts. Obviously the bulls, you know, vocalization, you know, vocalizing Keith, heard you bugle did you do any cow calls prior to that yes when i was okay. when i was about 150 so, so, yards away yeah so basically what you just what, what they heard was a couple of cows and then all of a sudden there's a bull with it so that sounds like you've got a, a bull with another group of cows all uh-huh. converging on the same spot so some of the cows are going to be curious especially the youngsters they're going to be like oh who's you know who's jenny and who's jill and you know where are these other cows i want to check those out of course, your bull is going to be like, holy shit, I thought I was safe in here. I, I thought I didn't have to worry about another bull. So he's going to scream his head off, basically telling you, the other bull, stay the hell out of my area. These are my ladies, basically. And you're going to have that that pandemonium, if, especially when it's thick like that, and they can't see one another, and they can't retreat that fast. They're going to vocalize, try to keep tabs on one another. And in that chaos, it makes sense. That cow came over. She's like, huh, where the hell are these other cows that I was hearing? Yeah. You know, yeah, where, where's, exactly where's this other was, group? Yeah. I got, I got, I got her on video just standing there mewing and eating. Nice. Um, nice. It's, it's super cool looking. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, no, it's, I mean, that's the sexy part about it. That's whatever. I mean, that experience that you had right there was the, that's the, what I call the sexy. That's what everybody wants. Mm-hmm. And that's why the vast majority of the elk instruction these days centers around the bugling and the, you know, the, you know, you, we don't have to get into it, but you know how, what I say about challenge bugles and, you know, it just, yep. it, they're everybody there. Everybody wants to, to focus on the bugling because that, if you can get yourself into that situation, that is awesome. It's sexy. But the question comes in, what are you going to do on those days? And in those areas, those valleys and ridges where you can't buy an elk for five days, they're not talking, but yet every morning there's fresh elk track or elk tracks right there. There's fresh elk crap in that meadow. That I just I just bumped another group of elk out of this bedding area, or I walk by this wallow and this wallow has just been torn up. The elk are literally right here somewhere, and they ain't saying squat. Yeah, I've had lots now of those what? Days. Now what? If if all you do is play to testosterone, I can guarantee you the odds of your success in, in growing what I would consider more of an aggressive strategy is probably in single digits. Yeah. Whereas if you, I, I, if I you take played, a moment and go back to those fundamentals, you, you can increase your efficiency hellaciously. 
I have I have played that exact game that you're talking about to my detriment where I'm like, man, there is all this fresh sign. There's rubs. There's, you know, warm droppings. It's it's I could smell them. There's, you know, whatever. Um, and I'll stand there. And this was this was years ago. And I'd, I'd just rip on that bugle to no avail to no, I mean, yeah. uh, to no avail. So that reminds me that what the story that I just told you on you know how I told you they were bedded down up on top of that knob yep uh, right on top of the hill there um the year before that and this is going to tie in perfectly to what you're saying the the year before that and I am about 80% sure it was the exact same bowl I was up there and I just stood kind of on the, I don't know, southeastern facing slope of this for some, I don't remember why I was oriented that way, but I know, I, I know I was oriented that way because if you go any further, it changes units like a hundred yards in front of me. So I, I had to make sure I didn't cross that line there for my tag. Uh, but I stood up there and I, I let off like three cow calls uh, and, and then realized I had phone service, my, which, which is super rare when I'm hunting in my neck of the woods, you don't get phone service up on the mountain. Right. But for some reason in this spot, I'd get phone service. So my phone kind of buzzes, it's on vibrate and I check it in my, it's my wife asking, you know, uh, if, if her great white hunter has, has succeeded and <laughs> yeah. is on her, you know, which is always a no. And so, uh, <laughs> I'm all excited and I, I'm texting her. And all of a sudden I hear this, uh, the, the stick snap and I, I turn to my right, kind of peek my head around the trees and here's a bull 20 yards from me. And he sees my big fat face come around the tree and, and boogies off. I wasn't paying attention and I, I, I miscalculated and underestimated the power of just a couple of subtle mutes. Am I, and that's how I'm reading it. Yeah. And so I, that, that I guess my question is, is, am I reading that right? If I sent those muse out like that, um, and, and I want to say, I don't know if it matters much, but that was probably the 12th or 13th or so of September and just stood there on the ready. I probably could have killed that bull. Yeah. Uh, I blame my wife. She distracted me, uh-huh. but I yeah, didn't expect if, and, that. And, I did and, not. And I'm I'm, I'm going to come to your wife's defense. If, if your wife hadn't texted you, you would have probably been walking already and you would have been walking and continue to clear, you know, cover country mm-hmm. because you were standing there texting. It actually slowed you down to let your, what I call all the time, let the setup work. You, if you watch those strategies and action videos, there's some of that are an hour long. And the reason why I let them go and I do not edit them much, you know, I, I want the whole, th- I want people to see exactly how long some of these take there there's videos in there where the first vocalization i make to where the bull is standing point blank seven steps in front of me is maybe seven minutes then there's other videos that are 47 minutes 57 minutes where yeah i know i'm the elk are right there in front of me i know they are yeah. Whether I heard them or I saw them or whatever, it doesn't matter. I know the elk are right there in front of me. I'm in a good spot. The wind is in my face, or at least it works, and I'm in a good setup. I'm in the, I'm in striking distance of that doorway, and I'm just going to let the setup play. Just let it play out. And a lot of times, especially, I mean, if especially if you're next to a bedding area, that's this is my favorite strategy. I like those late morning hunts or mid to late morning hunts. I will follow them to their bed or near their bed. Yep. And I love to just get in close. If the, if I can play the wind and the wind is not going to betray me, 
I'm going to get in close and I'm going to sucker someone out of that betting area. It may take 30 minutes. It may take 45 minutes, but I'm going to sucker someone out of that betting area. Oftentimes it is a juvenile and it's a younger animal, but oftentimes those older age class animals will let those youngsters march forward and they'll watch them and their behavior. And if the younger one comes in and is fine, here comes the older one. If it's a cow, if it's a, if I call a calf out of the group, mother's going to probably follow, or at least another adult is going to follow, keep tabs on her. And then she follows. Well, if you get a, a cow or two that gets up out of the group and starts to wander away, that bull is not going to allow him to wander away far without him going and rounding them back up. He may not say a peep. If you watch the video on the elk module, they're the, uh, what I call Twizzler. That's a perfect example. There's a big harem of cows with a giant bull in there. He's, I mean, they're all on their feet. I can literally watch him. He doesn't give two rips about what I'm doing. So I just start focusing on the cows. If I can sucker the cows out, I know he's going to come. And sure enough, the cows get just right around to the backside of me. Don't smell me. And he comes up, rounds him up, gives me, if I wanted, at that time, I didn't have a tag. So I was just videoing, but, um, I could, there's three different shot opportunities in there. There's so many videos in there that, yeah, if you just let your setup work, man, slow down. If you know the elk yeah. are around, you know, they're close. Use those views. Use those. Again, I'm not playing a testosterone here. I'm just using the base fundamentals sounding like a couple of elk that are just right near. Hell yeah. You can get those animals to come out and just kind of take a peek and see who you are. How, how long should one give it? Like, for example, that the story I was telling you where I got the text messages and, and I let off a couple of mews. How long should I give it before it's like, okay, either I need to make another sound or I need to move on? For me, that's all going to be based on a couple things. Number one, do I believe that elk are right here somewhere in front of me? Like, did, did I earlier on, did I know that I heard a bull say I'm, I'm on one side of a valley or canyon and I hear a bull sound off on the other? And, and he sounds off and I can pinpoint like he's got to be like right on that little point or on that little bench or on that little saddle or whatever. I can kind of get a really good idea that he's there. And then mm -hmm. I sit there and I listen, listen, all of a sudden, boom, I hear some cows or I, or I hear him again in there. I'm like, okay, I know they're there. And then over the course of the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes, hour, whatever, I work my way across there. If I, if I get myself close and I think they should be right there. And there's no reason why I think that, you know, either I spooked them or they've moved off. I will absolutely give it at least an hour. But okay. if I'm just out, you know, you know, moving across the landscape, trying to prospect, trying to find someone, then I'm going to base it off of, okay, what sign am I seeing? Is there, is there fresh shine, literally fresh sign around me or is there not? And then I take, the temperature of the environment that I'm walking through. Are, are the squirrels chattering? Are they running up and down the trees, dropping pine cone bombs out? Are, are the birds flying around? Do I see, you know, ravens and, and hawks and stuff flying around, you know, soaring and, and, you know, communicating and calling the birds singing it is the general tenor of the environment alive and vocalizing and, 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 you know, active, or is it one of those days where you don't even want to step on wet grass because it is just stone dead. No squirrels are out. No birds are flying. No birds are moving. There's just, there's, it's just no activity. If that's the case, that's an environmental factor that is, again, it's, it's affecting birds. It's affecting squirrels. It's affecting everyone. What, what do you mean by that, Chris? Like what, from a bio, a biologist standpoint or viewpoint, 
when because we've all been there where the force just shuts up. It just shuts up. What's going on? Why? Why do the squirrels stop? Why do the birds stop chirping? Yep. Why? Why does all, all of a sudden? Okay. Oh, did I cut out? Yeah, you cut out. It. You, you're it's dropping for like two or three seconds, then it's back, right back up. Yeah, it's. I, I'm hoping this is recording um, clean locally, and it'll just come together. Otherwise, I'm just like I've had it with these recording programs. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I'll yeah. Just, I'm just gonna keep calling people on the cell phone. That works best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, what, what's going on in that scenario? What what happens where everything just shuts up and there's just nothing making sound? It, it, is is there a predator in the area? Like, what's going on? Well, if you think about it, I mean, what would a predator have to do with a hawk or an eagle or a raven soaring 5,000 feet up in the air? Nothing. Well, yeah. What would it have to do with a pine squirrel that's, you know, 30 feet up in, you know, in a pine tree? Nothing. So... That's why I take the temperature. If if the birds are singing or moving or flying or, or active or the squirrels are active, but the elk are quiet. Okay, then the two things. Now, that may be because of hunter pressure or predator pressure that the elk are just on edge. Everything else is fine, but the elk are being cautious. Okay, that's fine. But that means that if everything else is active, the environmental conditions, typically it's a change in barometric pressure. And so if, if a storm's coming in or a front is coming through or a change, you know, a lot of that time, that is what is, it's going to affect everyone on the landscape. They're all going to feel it. Mm-hmm. They're all going to hunker. If everything is active, but the elk are silent, then that tells me, A, it's likely that any elk that is, so it's not an environmental factor that's affecting the elk. All the other animals are fine. The elk are just quiet. Again, if I'm finding fresh sign, fresh walls, everything just screams that the elk should be right here somewhere. Sure. Then they're on edge because of something physical on the landscape. Human scent, human interactions where people have bumped them. Maybe people have called, you know, bugled or, you know, they've been using the wrong vocalizations that the elk are like, what the freaking hell is going? Again, I, I if anybody wants to watch the, the video on YouTube, it, you know, mastering your elk calling doesn't really matter. You can go and watch that video, and I I give my grocery store analogy. But if if you're out there saying things that don't make sense with the conditions, don't make sense within the herd dynamic and and the and where you're calling from, especially if you're dealing with cows that are old, you know, you could be calling to a two and a half year old bull. How call shy is he really going to be? Yeah. But that cow group that he's with, the 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 dominant cows in that group are 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, guess what? They've been around the block a time or two. We know what's going on, yeah. Yeah, so if they shut down or they start acting nervous, they're like, oh, crap, what is this? All the members of that group are going to pick up on their body language, and they're going to shut down immediately. So if the birds and everybody else is active, but the elk aren't, then that tells me that they've been either pressured by humans or pressured by other predators. And so they're just being cautious. Now, with that being said, that's a that oftentimes is a localized disturbance and a localized uh, behavioral condition because I could sure. go up and over the ridge or two ridges over and the elk are talking, okay? So if I want to pretend like I'm an elk that just dropped in, a new elk that just dropped into this canyon and I don't know any better, if the birds are singing, the the squirrels are running around. Everything's just, everything's fine. I will feel a little more free to be a little more vocal to broadcast or prospect looking for a response. I'm still going to do it intelligently, 
but I, I will be a little bit more free to, to vocalize. However, and this is where I think a lot of people run into trouble, and this is what will absolutely shut those elk down and set them off, especially if you're dealing with older age glass cows. If you're in a situation where you have an environmental condition where it's shutting down birds, it's shutting down squirrel activity, it's just dead. Everything is dead, not moving. We're on the landscape supposedly pretending to be an elk. Mm -hmm. Well, if the environmental conditions are affecting the squirrels and the birds and the elk and everybody, why is it not affecting you, this supposed elk that's on the landscape bugling or calling its head off? It doesn't make sense. So you should be emulating the same type of behavioral condition. Oh, now I'm back. Let's take a quick break to give our show sponsors some well-deserved love. Let's start with Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. High-performance hunting attire and gear. Scientifically tested camo patterns. Complete layering systems. And in my opinion, the finest merino wool products to keep you warm, dry, and comfortable. It's all backed by a great company. Some of my personal favorites of the in the Scree lineup are the hard scrabble pants uh, for early to mid-season. And then as it gets colder, I switch to the Kodiak pants for late season. The Bridger glassing mitts are like game changers, and I love the Nebo rain gear. Scree offers great packages on the website as bundles, like the elk bundle, that will completely outfit you for your favorite hunt. Oh, and my favorite part? You won't need to refinance your house to get outfitted. Try the starter bundle for less than 500 bucks. It's an insane deal. With the VIP sizing guarantee, you can exchange something that doesn't fit for free. I just had to do this for something that I got my wife. It was a little big, so I just sent it back. They covered the shipping both ways and exchanged it for the right size. So go to ScreeGear.com and at checkout, use promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. Phelps Game Calls, one thing that I love about companies that are born out of hunting is their story. Like Phelps Game Calls, the American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something big. Like Phelps, he started this company kind of as a hobby in his garage in 2009. Now, a little over a decade later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet for good reason. They're the most realistic calls on the market, and that is saying something. Check out the AMP lineup. For predator calls like the 3-pack POR123 or the Fawn in Distress, check those out. Turkey calls, get a diaphragm, a pot call, or a box call, and a complete line of waterfowl calls. Hit up the website, and at checkout, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Phelps Game Calls, get them close. The Elk Collective. The best investment for hunting success is what's between your ears. Having elk hunting knowledge is what separates those who succeed every once in a while against those who notch tags every year. There's a very fine line there, and there's a perfect amount of time if you're listening to this now to get through the entire course before September. Improve your chances with a virtual course of over 140 videos that cover things like how to get elk tags throughout the West, scouting and e-scouting, beginner to advanced elk calling, gear, fitness, nutrition, shooting processes, hunting scenarios, strategies, and tons more. They've got some very big names on this platform that give you their personal expertise as you go through the course. It's the best way to make you the best elk hunter as you get into the woods. So go to theelkcollective.com and use promo code THEWESTERNHUNTSMAN for $20 off. It's normally 89 bucks, so when you use my promo code, it's going to be the best $69 you've spent on elk hunting, and I guarantee you it's worth every penny. Check it out, guys. 
Hoffman Boots, let me give you guys a piece of advice from a dude with many miles on his feet. Never skimp on quality hunting boots. Hoffman Boots is a fourth-generation, family-owned company based in North Idaho. I've been sporting a pair of Hoffmans for close to a decade. Particularly, I like the Hoffman Explorer and the 8-inch. In my most humble opinion, again, Hoffman offers the most comfortable hunting boot that does the least amount of damage to my feet after several miles on the mountain. Very little break-in period on these boots, by the way. Uh, I took them right out of the box and went on a crazy elk hunt, not even a blister. For hunting, they have the Explorers and the Summit Boot offered in insulated and non-insulated. And ladies, check out the new Women's Hoffman Explorer 400. They also carry lineman boots, winter pack boots, logging boots, and hiking boots. Get totally outfitted at HoffmanBoots.com and at checkout. As you know, it's coming. Use promo code, all caps lock, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Last but not least, Tacticam. If you're interested in self-filming your hunts, whether for you know memories or making hunting content, check out the Tacticam products like the Spotter LR, Tacticam 5.0, and the Film Through Scope system, all of which are available at thewesternhuntsman.com, which helps support our fight against the anti-hunting movement. But my favorite is the Tacticam Reveal cell cams. I use these cell cams all over my property, and I'm like obsessed with monitoring the wildlife in real time with these cameras. They not only text me instantly when a buck or a bear is cruising through, my reveals make for excellent security systems. I know when the FedEx dude is delivering packages way down at the bottom of our driveway. And I also know if some knucklehead shows up to try to steal them. I know when someone's trespassing or if I have the kind of wildlife roaming around that I don't want, you know, like a coyote. And uh, I quickly react with my cat-like reflexes. Great for trappers, great for hunters, uh, security, anything. Guys, check it out at Tacticam.com because I don't have the reveals on my website right now. Uh, Let them know I sent you. Tacticam.com. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. How's that? Let me switch my uh, my input. Hang on. Okay, say uh, check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. There we go. Now I can hear you great. Yeah. So. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I need to do away with this stupid bullshit recording <laughs> services. You know, oh, this is just yeah. free. This is just yeah. free Zoom, the man. Free one, the free one seems to work better, man. This is bullshit. I'm pissed at like that. I've gone through three of these services and they all promised me, oh, you're going to get better sounding, you know, audio. And, and it's only 20 bucks for, you know, 12 hours or whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and they're just nothing but freaking problems. Yeah. Well, see, okay. So how, how perfect to give a segue is this from what we were just talking about? Because <laughs> it sounds like you're overthinking shit. And try yeah. not just making it more difficult than it needs to I'm be. Just, you. just jump I'm on you. Zoom, get a free deal, and just you know, we're not hosting yeah. twenty people here. We're it's I, I am going to. I'm going to rethink it, man. I I've been trying it. I this is why lately I've been doing it over the phone because yeah. I could plug my phone right into my little soundboard right here, sitting in the studio, and and it's it's loud and clear. I I turn it on, do not disturb, and it's perfect. But, but anytime I try these new systems, they just, they just kind of leave me disappointed and wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And that's the thing is now that's, and, and I may, I may have, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, actually, I guess I could, I could check real quick. So I'm, I'm hoping to have Ryan Carter on Sunday, um, uh-huh. to talk about, 
we can make that work. Perfect. So we're just going to do a Zoom call. So far, everybody, you know, say what you want about COVID. One of the good things about COVID is every, everybody learned how to do Zoom pretty much. Yeah, no no kidding, man. No kidding. When it's I so first started the show, everybody was coming into the studio unless they were far away like you are. Yeah. And, and then COVID hit. And so everybody, even if they're 10 minutes down the road, we were doing it over the Zoom thing. Yeah. And uh, so you yeah. want to know how I record mine? I lit it's on, it's on a Mac. I just use audio hijack, which just records on the audio. I plug in my Yeti freaking stupid mic over here and it just records on the computer. I don't have any fancy nothing. It's just, I, I hit, I I hit click and (laughs) I think, I think I I can't do it. I can't do it easily over the phone. That is the one thing I wish I could. But with Zoom, I mean, it's just—I don't know. Anyway, it's time. It's time to go back to the the kiss method, man. Keep Correct. it simple, stupid, and and just do it this way because that's ridiculous. I'm I'm like super irritated about that. Well, um, and I will say that I mean, here's the thing: is I remember where we where we left out. I think you just, I think you just splice this. You just as soon as I hit record, you just you just splice it so everybody can yep. hear what the hell went on. But um, I remember. Ads, I'll put the ads in in between. There you go. There you go. And then, yeah. and then people can realize why the audio kind of changed a little bit and what the hell is going on. But regardless, I remember <laughs> where we were talking, um, mm-hmm. but it is, it's a, it's a good segue of, of keep it simple. Just do, don't overthink things, Jim. Just, yeah. just, just yep. stay yep. to the fundamentals. Just keep it complicating it. <laughs> but here's the beautiful thing about, you know, having a discussion with another podcaster, because at least that person has the ability to troubleshoot and, and, and roll into a, a, another way to. Yeah, True. You know, but anyway, yeah, so very true. Very does this, true. Does the sound sound decent? Yeah, the sound it sounds really good. I think I think this will work great. Um, All right, we so can, we'll just roll. Yeah, I was just we going to say let's let's just leave the let's try leaving the video on so we can see okay. each other and talking. But if it if it starts to get glitchy or, or holding up or whatever, we'll just kill the video again and we'll just go to audio and it'll be there. Perfect. Um, that's yeah, I appreciate you doing that. And, and I, what I was, what I, I, we were getting to that point where I was just thinking you were explaining, you know, um, some of the cow calls and, and how, how the birds and everything else can be affected yeah. and barometric pressures and all this stuff. And I remember I, I was thinking when you were explaining that, I'm like, this happens every time I get Chris on. I, I had like an agenda of things we were going to talk about. And we spent an hour talking about elk hunting. Remember the first time I had you on, it was supposed to be a turkey episode. Yeah, we and so uh, we talked elk most of the time, and so it was like uh, I think I named that episode uh, "How to Call in a, a an Elk During Turkey Season" or something sarcastic yeah. like that. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah you you I, sent me a list of like three things, and each each thing was this massive conversation. I'm like, yeah, that ain't. Yeah, happen. I know. Yeah, that ain't gonna, that happen. Ain't gonna happen. I, happen. And I I know better. I know better. Well, I, that's then, why I don't. Then, I, I was just going to say, then, then let me wrap up the, what I was, what we were talking about. So, yeah. So if, yeah. if, if all the animals are alive and singing and, and you're moving and the squirrels are active and all that, then I'm going to feel a little bit more free to vocalize based on the sign that I see on the landscape. Now I may you know move across the landscape and give myself some space, depending on how far away my vocalizations might carry, but I'll feel a little bit more free, but if that place is shut down because of weather systems moving through, or just even a barometric pressure change, and there's just nothing is talking, we're supposed to be pretending to be an elk out there. So if we truly were in fact, an actual elk on the landscape, then we would be affected just like everyone else is. So if all of a sudden there, you know, elk aren't talking, 
I'm not seeing any deer movement. I'm not seeing any, you know, there's no birds flying around or singing. The squirrels are all hunkered down. There's no, you know, ravens or hawks or eagle, anything's, you know, soaring around above. Just everything's dead. And I go out of the landscape, and I'm especially if I'm going to go rip a bugle. Mm-hmm. Who the hell? You are clearly not an elk. You're, yeah. you're clearly not an elk. And now that, especially for those older, you know, age class cows that have been around the block about 18 times, they're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. And we're just, you know, I'm going to stand, I'm going to be on edge. My body language is going to be tense. I'm going to be nervous. Every other animal in that herd, because they, I talk about this in the website about how they communicate. Most of it's visually, they're going to pick up on those body language cues and everybody, they learn, especially in wolf country where a cow needs everybody to stay quiet, shut your mouth, stay quiet because we got predators nearby and just be on high alert and every, no one's moving. No one's saying a thing. Everybody's got their noses going, their ears going, their eyes going, and they're just looking for something going wrong. So that's the thing is when you ask, you know, how often, you know, when should I call all that type of stuff? It's all dependent on the in, the conditions on the ground and how much sign I'm seeing and how much activity is going on in the environment around me. I got, I have one more question on, on, on that particular subject before we move on. Um, I, I could do I could do this eg- exact topic for hours, obviously, but um, we can do another one. Other yeah. we can do another one if you want. Do this one, elk, and we, then we can do another one. On the we might we stuff. might have to. We might yeah. have to. Like it's just it's just one of one of those things where I I feel like there's the conversation is endless. But on that note, I'm going to give you like a scenario. You're you're in the woods. Um, let's say it's 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 mid morning. Uh, birds are chirping, squirrels are throwing, you know, acorns all over the place. They're chirping and barking. Uh, there's lots of, there's lots of sounds going on. Elk are kind of talking. You, you, you maybe let off a, a, a cow call or a bugle or whatever, get a couple of responses here and there, but, but they're a little far away. Uh, and then bam, all of a sudden a thunderstorm rolls in, dumps rain for 15 minutes and then kind of rolls out. Skies are blue again, kind of shuffle the deck and restarts everything. Um, what happens there? What, what, what takes place that, because I'm sure everybody listening has been in that situation. If they've elk hunted, uh, elk are vocal, a quick little storm, you know, a September rainstorm comes in, uh, rolls back out. And all of a sudden the elk have shut up. The the squirrels are out. The the birds are done. Is that a barometric pressure thing? Because I I use a lot of barometric pressure stuff when I'm fly fishing, but, uh, relating it to elk hunting. May that in that case, it may or may not be a barometric pressure thing, but it just very well may be, a, you know, a weather shift to where that, you know, they all just hunker down and, and, and then whatever activity was going again, you know, I talk about this and, and this is, I, it sounds stupidly simple. And I think that's the reason why so many people have a hard time trusting it. Mm-hmm. Elk are not talking unless something is going on something going on that has disrupted their ability to keep tabs on one another visually. If they're up and they're active, they're moving or they're doing this, that, or the other thing, and they're talking, okay, that's fine. But if all of a sudden a thunderstorm comes rolling through and it's just rocking and pounding, you very well may have those elk finally go, oh crap, we need to get into some cover or whatever. We need to move out of this pocket or or, or they're going to come in and they're going to hole up and hunker down for a second. If they coalesce in the same little area, 
they don't need to talk with one another. They could, it's like you sitting in your living room with the rest of your family. Mm-hmm. You they're like right there. You don't need to check in and see where they, where's my son? Oh, there he is. Or where's my daughter? Oh, there she is like five feet from me in the chair. I don't need to go, you know, call my daughter's name and ask where she is. Just look, it's, it's right there. So there's yeah, right no there. need to vocalize. So that weather system may came, may have come in, changed the herd, you know, changed the activity dynamic of that group. And then the activity of the group just doesn't change out of that structure of whatever it is. Maybe the storm passes is bluebird skies. They've already bedded down. They're chewing their cud. They're waiting until evening or whatever. And they're like, no, okay, whatever. We'll just, what? let's just let it go. And Oh, now we'll get up and we'll go do our normal routine in the evening. And we all walk off together. And if they all walk off together in open, or at least some set semblance of terrain or habitat that allows them to keep visual contact with one another, they don't have to talk. So how does a hunter disrupt that? They're, they're laying there, they're chewing their cud. Obviously you don't want to come walking in there and rip off some gnarly bugle. Right. And, and, and. Depends hey, on who he asks. Side note, Chris, does it sound like I'm yelling? Cause I can't hear myself with these headphones. It's going different. I, I had to reroute things. Am I yelling? <laughs> no, it, it's, uh, you could actually take the microphone away from your face a little bit further. All right. Let's, let's, let's do that. That way it's That's fine. Cause I, I can't, I can't hear myself. So it's an old musician thing. When, when I can't hear my monitor, I, I feel like I'm screaming. No, the, um, the, the, your, your microphone sounds great. You, I mean, you're actually a little louder that maybe than I am, but that again, that's, okay. it, that could all be on your outputs and stuff like that, but you're, you're coming through just fine. Your, your volume is just fine. Just talk. I scoot, it, I scoot it back. Yeah. Um, okay. So disrupting that, um, they're chewing the cud, the, the storm passes the, you know, they're just laying, they have no reason to communicate with each other. Sure. Is there a way to think about, okay, I'm like a, a random elk coming in looking for new friends or looking for some, you know, yeah. elk. maybe I lost my elk, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, whether cow or bull, is there a way to disrupt there's that? No, there, there is no, no, there is no weather cow or bull. So, in, so, in, either in my, way, so either way, in my, no, not either way. In my, in okay. my opinion. Okay. And again, I know I'm biased and I, I am going to be on the opposite side of a lot of people on this. I'm not it now. Okay. Let me, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that question or uh, let me, let me rephrase my answer. And let me ask you a question in your scenario. Do you know where the elk are or not? Let's say, yes, I do, because okay. um, this isn't going to be applicable if, if you're just trying to locate elk, right? Ah, you knew you, they were there. We're Storm on the same, comes okay. In, we're, okay, we're on the same page. Quiet. I just wanted to make sure that we were clear on that, because that 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 right there is my, there is no throw a bugle in here. Mm-hmm. If we've got a bull and we've got cows, why, in, if I don't care what point of September, now, unless we're talking about very, very, very early when the bulls are still working on pecking order. Okay. What? No, do not interject a freaking bull vocalization into that scenario to start. Why? What if I've got, I don't know, unless I know, and I have experience with that bull and I know the disposition, see, and I talk about this all the time and this is going to come up at the IS. So next week, the Denver international sportsman's expo show is going to uh-huh. be back. I'm going to be speaking at it again. And this is going to be one of the topics that comes up. I, my topic for this year is, you know, defeated before you start. 
why do your preseason efforts not translate out in the field and moving the needle on success? Because there's a fun, there's several different things that people do that that they overlook, and this is going to be one. This is actually one of them. Um, people overlook the fact that we don't know. A, the, a lot of times we don't know the age class of the bull that we're going after. We don't know his disposition, his attitude, or his, his quite honestly, his personality. And we have no idea what that herd has gone through up to this point. Excuse me. Were they pressured? Was this group the group that was bullying everybody else out of the valley? Or was this group, is this group here because they've literally been bullied out of every other spot? And this is the only spot that mm. they found that this gives them peace of mind. I don't know that attitude and disposition of the animal. And if anybody wants to argue on me, whether, whether we've got different personalities of elk, look at our children that are, are, we have multiple children. You tell me raised in the same household, in the same environment, our children have the same attitudes and dispositions and personalities. No, they do not. <laughs> no. Think no. about our dogs. If we have more than one dog, do we, are, are both of our dogs identical? No, they no. are not. Cats are the same way. You can have livestock. I don't care if you're uh, uh, you have horses, or whether you're a cattle rancher. Even if you're a cattle rancher, you know that you can go out during calving, and there are some cow cows that will literally almost invite you to come up to to take care of their calf. And then there's other cows that you literally have to block the calf off with two beater trucks because she will tear the freaking quarter panels off of your vehicle trying to keep you away from that calf. Yeah. They all animals have personalities. And unless we think about that and we identify what personality we're engaging, we let's just put it this way. We don't know. Most of the time, 99.9% .9 of the time, we have no idea. So why, why, when we, especially in most of these places where we're hunting over the counter units or we're having hunting areas where maybe the, the most of the units are managed for opportunity of hunting, not mm -hmm diverse quality of age class. So we're, we're maybe 10 bulls per hundred cows, 15 bulls per hundred cows, maybe 20 bulls per hundred cows, where the vast majority of our, our bull age structure is one and a half, two and a half, three and a half years old, maybe. Of course, you might find yep. an older age class bull in there. But if we're dealing with a two and a half year old bull, and this is the first year that a cow has even looked at him sideways and, and wanted to be with him, do you think he's going to want to risk losing his first good opportunity. He may literally have two cows and one calf and he's freaking happy. Yeah. Why would I go and blow a bugle and potentially put a threat in his back pocket? I don't give a, excuse me. I, I don't give a crap about all the people that talk about, Oh, I want to <laughs> challenge that bull and I'm bull. You, you're never going to make a bull do anything. All you can do is put in his mind what he ought to do, but you have to remember, he may disagree with what you want him to do. To where, why am I going to play to testosterone in that situation when I don't have to? I can mm -hmm. literally come in at the foundation bedrock vocalizations. I know that they're probably bedded on this little saddle, this little point, this little pocket, wherever. I can slip in on the downwind side. If Again, understanding that the wind, if the wind is not right, I'm not going to move in. But if the wind, I can work the wind, why would I not slip in as close as I can, just sit my butt down or just get myself set up? What, and I'm asking you, not rhetorically, in your opinion, what would be the most likely animal to be wandering stupidly across the landscape as an elk? What, 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 what elk would be 
wandering on the landscape, vocalizing, just trying to find somebody. A lost calf. Hello. Uh, so why that, would? Yes. Y- is that right? Yes. Yes. I, I, mean, I was think- I was super nervous answering that. I'm like, man, <laughs> I'm gonna get it wrong. Chris is gonna give me a strike on that one. <laughs> no gold star for you. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, seriously, think about it. If you have a 15 year old cow mm-hmm. or an eight year old cow or a five year old cow, it's most. And again, you talked about earlier about the cat, you know, you know, you in likely encountered that same group of elk on the same bedding area the year before. Yeah, you probably did because the cows yeah. are going to know where on the landscape that they could go to safety. Now, if the bull was an older age class uh, bull and he was with the cows last year, yeah, absolutely. He'll follow the cows back there, but the cows are going to be the ones that, that lead them back year after year to these, these, uh, these core areas. So you very well may end up having these cows that they know this area. They've been on this piece of landscape this entire time, but a calf hasn't. This is the first time they've ever been in this area. Number one, number two, calves are kids. The kids get up and wander. They, they just, they, they want to have buddies. They want it. They, if everybody in the group is relaxed and everybody feels safe, and this is why I talk, I've got an entire series I did an ISE show completely on using lost using calf vocalizations in this situation and why it works. If a calf is vocalizing, the calf feels safe. If a calf feels safe, it's because the adults around it feel safe. Isn't that a really good scenario and a picture to paint in the other animal's mind that, oh, there's a calf over here vocalizing. It's looking for buddies. It's looking for, it's wandering the landscape. Either yeah. it feels safe and it's out there looking for buddies, or it's scared. Either way, you're appealing to the maternal instinct. You're appealing to the other calves in the group, and you're appealing to the maternal instincts of the cows. As long as you, as long as, unless you're just really butchering your lost muse and just going overboard. But if you're just sounding like a couple calves or a calf that's just out there looking for someone and well, using an that, actual kitty, I just so happen to have a little read right here. Is it can? Is if that, I make is, it, is, is, is that a, some, is that a pink, is that a pink no, Phelps? That, this is the I mean, Maverick. That's a, that's a pink Phelps, isn't it? Man, you're going to get me in trouble. I think well, you, you can't tell on me like that. I thought, I thought that no. was a pink one. <laughs> you got to get some new glasses, Chris. <laughs> no, I don't. That, the, the pink I, ones. I, are, I can stir, look, I can stir up look, all sorts of stuff being blind. A, the any of those, any of those amp. I know, I, I know Dirk, Dirk and uh, Jason, they like, they like to get real dramatic about which one's the best, but I, I'll be honest, man, they, they've all worked for me. Any, if yeah, they say yeah, amp on yeah, them, yeah. Uh, I'm good. All right. Let me do a, let me do a lost calf. Cause I, this is just my interpretation. You, you tell me if I'm, if I'm going to strike out. <laughs> Okay. Or, or or if it's a home run sound. And if for the audience here, this is a brand new one, so I hope it works all right. Okay. That's okay. that's what I that's what I interpret as like a lost calf, lost lost yeah. mute. Yeah. Is hold that right? The, or? Yeah, yeah, hold hold yeah, either hold or emphasize the high note. Yes. Yep. So we're not the point is for, for, for those of you listening, it's that watching you, you need to learn that. watching you, you need to learn to relax your jaw though. You're all clenched up. 
You're all, you're all, you're all tight. I, th- I think, I think, I think Chris is because I've been watching your videos for a long time and now you're watching me do it. <laughs> yeah, like, that's fair. It, it hey, does, fair it point. does kind of make fair me, point. I mean, I'll just yeah, yeah. be honest. But no, that's exactly um, it. A lost muse is, is ex- holding either accent, holding or accentuating that high note. Yes. Okay. And so wandering into a new area, just, just, just to kind of summarize, mm-hmm. you knew there were elk. Yep. You knew they were they, they were they were vocalizing a little bit earlier. You knew about you know generally where they were going to bed. Um, a little storm comes in, uh, you know, late summer rainstorm, um, rains for 20, 30 minutes, whatever, blows out. You got blue skies again, but everything's real quiet. And you kind of close that distance, throw out a few of those lost calf mews, mm-hmm. and that would be, in your opinion, the best way to find out. If you can get those elk vocal again, that's exactly how I'd start it. Yeah. Okay. And, and I would, you know, obviously I, you know, you can watch that video again, uh, you know, where I talk about those lost cat, you know, how I use lost calf calls, yeah. you watching, yeah. you know, how the cadence is actually played out, but yeah, I'm going to sound like a lost cap and see if I can't get a response. And if I can get so, a response and, and get somebody talking back with me, I'm going to evaluate who's, who's, you know, calling back to me. Is it a calf? And if that calf is calling back to me and is getting excited, I'll try to call that calf right to me. Just call the, just call. And a lot of times it'll probably be more than one, but if I can call a calf out of that group, then oftentimes one of the adult cows is going to be that, that group. And if I get an adult yeah. cow to, to vocalize back to me, now I'm going to interject and I'm going to add just a very subtle, maybe singular, just an adult cow in response, just lost me on that. Just, yeah. just same thing, a little deeper pitch, just to let her know, okay, there is an adult cow over there. And if they start, if they, if all I need is a couple more iterations, just, just let me know that we're talking. I'm going to roll right into those assembly muse. I want you to come to me. 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 Maybe I'll put it a wine or something in there to embellish the, you know, everybody like, oh, quote unquote, the emotion of it, whatever. I I will, I will absolutely, because if I can sucker a calf or two or a cow out of that group, great, because the bull's going to get up and and find is follow as well. Oftentimes, however, the bull's going to just either just, you know, even if he doesn't want to bugle, he's going to give me some vocalization back to let me know that, oh, hey, we're over here. I want you to come just assembly mew, assembly mew, assembly mew. Hell, a lot of times you'll just, and you can tell if it's a bull, the cow will have a mew that just kind of will, they're a little bit longer, a little bit, it's hard to say without listening to it, but a lot of times. assembly mew? No, 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 no. The bull mews. You'll hear a oh. bull mew and it's more flat. It's just, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. you know, it's a more flat and people are like, oh, I got a cow. No, that's the freaking bull. So if you hear that kind of little, eh, you know, flat mew coming back at you, most of the time that's a bull and just keep feeding him that assembly mew and let him just come out to check you out and see where you are and try to round you back up into the group. Because quite honestly, you could just be one of the calves that was originally the group that wandered away too far and now is wanting to go out, play outside the periphery of that group and bring his buddies out with him. And the cows are like, ah, we probably ought to stay grouped up. Or the bull's like, no, 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 no. We need to stay in this group. I'm just going to get up, slip out. I don't give a crap if a bull bugles at me. I will shoot a bull just as eagerly if he just walks out of his bed and mews at me. If he comes screaming in my face, I don't care. And quite honestly, I don't think most people care when it's January and you're pulling backstrap steaks out of the freezer and the antlers are sitting up on your wall. Yeah. Yeah. We all want that screaming scenario, but which Mm -hmm. one do we want more of? 
do we do we just want the screaming scenario and then have a good story at after season where we said, oh man, you know, we got in this, we got in this bugle and you know, back and forth and back and forth, and oh it didn't work out, but oh, I was cool. <laughs> or yeah, do, you, see- do you do you want the grip and grin, the antlers on the wall, and a freezer full of meat? Which one? Which yeah, one? exactly. I, I I I couldn't agree more with that. Now I think that that's where I'm at. I if if I could find a bull elk, I can usually piss it off, right? It's the times when I know that there's bulls or or just elk. Obviously, in September, if there's cows, there's going to be a bull around there. The the times that I can't get them worked up, those are the times where I struggle and I can't seem to come up with a way. Now I do have because you brought you brought this up. But this, and for those of you listening, um, but the, oh yeah, yeah, kind of explain your app because I, I've this thing yeah. is actually pretty handy. The the elk hunter strategy app, um, and, and actually before you go there, what what I wanted to talk about, what you were, what you were saying, you know, the difference between understanding what an assembly mule is and a lost calf, and and these different the way that the sound holds like on, a, on an assembly mew that that lower note for longer you just mm-hmm. you know and and understanding that i think is super critical and putting it together in the field i like i feel like i study the crap out of it. like i, I spend yeah. a shit on a time and then i get in the field and i'm like oh man i don't remember if that's how i do this or i, I yeah. don't know you, you know what yeah. i mean yeah and so i i want to get to the point for for this coming season where it's second nature where i don't have to really think about it because i again if, if there's a bull that wants to get fired up and pissed off and come in and, and get in a fight, I could find him. I, I, I can, and I'm good at that part. What I'm not good at is those bulls that come in silent or the bulls that aren't fighters. They're not in the mood to fight. Like you said, they all have different personalities, right? Um, but they do, they're curious. They, they want to, they want to see who else is around them. Those are the ones that I struggle with. And I know I'm, I, I know I'm amongst them where I'm hunting, but I can't get them to come in or, and, and, you know, I can't find them. I can't see them. I can't get them to present a shot. And so, yeah, I don't know. We, we totally got derailed here. Uh, no, I, I no, just no. make this a school of September episode. <laughs> well, do it, it if you want. I mean, do it if you want to. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, we're, we're it, it depends on how long of one you, that you want to have. I mean, obviously this is going to yeah. be a couple hour podcast anyway, but um, that's the thing is uh, making it second nature. That's, that's, that's the trick. I mean, if, but in order for it to become second nature, you also have to trust yourself. And that's where a lot of people falter, I think, is, is they don't I, I, trust I themselves. fall for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a problem with that. Two things. One, you brought up the Elk Hunter Strategy app. That helps. And I'll talk about that in a second. But two, that's the beauty of the, you know, on in the website, the Strategies in Action series. You can watch it and, and you can literally go through and you can listen to what I'm at, what I'm doing, but watch those videos. Not, and this is again, and I say this all the time. So anybody who's listening to this and goes out and checks the website out, do not just jump to the strategies in action section. That's where the sexy happens. That's, that's, that's where all the elk are. I'm calling elk in point blank. Okay. Everybody wants to jump there and be like, oh, that's awesome. I want to watch those. Okay. Yes, they're awesome. <laughs> they're fun videos and, and they're, they're, they're awesome. But the point, the reason why I put them in the, the last or the second to last section of that, I want you to go through the behavior series first. So you have an understanding mm. of behavior. And then I want you to go through the vocalizations, the foundations of the vocalizations and communication. 
both the cow and the bull. And those are multi-part series. Go through that and understand it. And then go to the gallery and then start watching the gallery videos where I'm not calling. No one is hunting these animals and no one's calling these animals. You're getting, we're literally videoing elk during the rut or well, sometimes in the summer, sometimes in the winter, but some in the rut where you just simply watch the elk do what the elk want to do with one another yeah, and start to identify the vocalizations start to pay attention to who's vocally vocalizing, who's responding. So you kind of start to be able, that's why we call it the recognition part. So you can recognize the behaviors that you're seeing. You get to recognize the vocalizations you're hearing and you get to recognize the reaction from the elk that you're, that they're talking to. Okay. And then we go to the strategies in action because that's where we put it all together. There's a reason why I'm setting up where I'm setting up. There's a reason why I'm using the vocalizations and communication strategies that I am. And there's a reason why I let the scenario play out the way I do, or I move the way I do, because I know I've already recognized what the, what the behavioral interaction is going to be and what the likely elk reaction is going to be. So I know that I can trust what I believe. I'm like, I, they should be doing this. So I'm going to sit and let the, the, the strategy and I'm going to let the calling and I'm let the setup work. That's where you've got to have that faith that, yes, I understand what Chris was talking about. And it's not even me. It's what you saw there. And I have the faith and the, the trust to let it play out. Now, if you, if you, if you feel the urge to cheat, that's where the strategy comes in. So the elk yeah, it's, it's, so the it's elk pretty cutters, fun. It's yeah, fun the, to go through that. Come on. Yeah, well, and we set it up. It's educational. So you go, yep. the elk hunters strategy app. If you want an app for your phone, and it's it will it will download and sit standalone on your phone. Now there's some audio and video stuff in there as well if you're kinetic connect connected to the internet. But if you just mm-hmm. you can download the thing on your phone. Apple, you know, Apple, you know, the app store on iTunes or the uh, uh, Google Play, you know, you can Android. Yeah. So Elk Hunters Strategy app. Okay. And if you go through there, it basically it's like a choose your own ending type of book where it'll ask, you know, you, you know, you click on it and you say, okay, it'll ask you questions. You know, are you hunting early season, mid season or late season? And again, uh, and it's the and this one is the bow hunter. The only one we have is the bow hunter edition. We we just didn't ever finish the rifle hunters. I don't rifle hunt much, so this is for bow hunting. Yeah. This is this is for anywhere from like August twentieth through. And quite honestly, you can it, it, quite honestly a lot of this, especially the vocalizations of the cows, will carry you right on through November. Even if you have a late season. Oh yeah, I was I was gonna say we like yeah. we have an October rifle season here in Idaho. Man, you guys should get this app because it, a lot of it's gonna apply. Yes, it's because it because it's it's fundamental bedrock behavior yep. and vocalization. This is what they'll do in February. You can put these principles on the ground in the winter range in February and do the exact same damn thing. You could take this and go right out into the field in June or July with cows and their calves. Now, obviously, you're not throwing your bugles in there with it, but you know a lot yeah, of the bedrock sure. vocalizations are. That's why I do it. So anyway, it'll ask you what part of the you know what part of the the season are you in early you know pre rut rut post rut type of deal 
It'll ask you, do you know where the elk are? Do you not know where the elk are? Okay, you do. Yes or no. And when you say yes or when you say no, it'll open another page and it'll ask you another series of questions. Okay, well, if you don't know, blah, blah, blah. It will talk you through yeah, either scenario. the scenario that you're in or the scenario that you want to learn about. And the beautiful thing about the learn about is we had this backwards. So we did an update several years ago. We had a lot of the educational components at the end. And what people complained about was that, you know, they got to the end and then they didn't remember what the decision tree was. So we started putting sure. the educational material up front. So if I ask you, why are you hunting early, mid or late season? The next it's going to it's going to clarify why I'm asking that. OK, because, mm -hmm. oh, early season, why do you care? Well, I'm caring because early season. You might be dealing with bulls that are still dealing with their bachelor, you know, bachelor group and, and their pecking order. And they're yeah. just now getting cows. If you're mid-season, the reason why I'm asking you about mid-season is because most of the time the pecking order is done. Most of the time the bulls are going to have cows are going to be in close proximity to those cows. And there's going to be some changes on how I engage them. And then if it's post-rut, okay, well, then maybe all the breeding is done. All the testosterone is leaving the situation. Maybe the bulls are breaking away from the cows. Maybe, you know, the cows are getting grouped back up again, or there's differences mm -hmm. of different, you know, those different behavioral considerations are important to identify when you're going to choose how I'm going to engage them vocally. So all the way through there, it's going to give you that interaction of, okay, what, what am I dealing with? Now you can use it sitting like you've done right now yeah. in your camper, just go through and just learn about shit or yeah. If and you get in a bind out in the field, yes, you can. You can pull it up and be like, what the freaking hell? And, and it gives yeah. my it gives my opinion, my suggestions on maybe what I would do in that situation on that landscape. And I, I wanna I wanna add a couple things to that in, in terms of you know the educational side and the behavioral side. I think that that is one of those things that gets lost with a lot of elk hunters. Um, they focus so much on bugling in a bull. Or, you know, the, what they see on YouTube and doing it exactly like that every single time. Yep. And they're, they're missing the, the beautiful part about elk hunting where I really started getting a lot more effective when it comes to elk hunting is, is understanding the behavioral aspect and traits of the actual animal I'm, I'm hunting. Um, here's what I mean by that. You guys heard me a little bit ago. Uh, I, I did that cow calf mew. So I, the, and the question I would ask the audience is, is, do you know the difference between, and I'll put this thing, what, which read is this again there, Chris? The Phelps pink. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'll, I'll throw this back in there and, and I'll do a couple different ones. <laughs> I'm just um, kidding. Like I said, I can stir it up. I've got a long stick. <laughs> I like, I like it, man. They, well, that could be like taken two too, different ways too. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, listen you know, to this guys. I, I would not lean towards the microphone. You might want to lean back away okay. from it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Versus. So if, again, that this is for the audience, Chris, I'm not, I'm certainly not trying to teach you anything, <laughs> um, yeah. but guys listening, if you, if you notice a subtle difference there, one, one is, is high and focuses on the low in the end. The other one is low um, and focuses on the high in the beginning. Um, did I explain that right? Nope. Opposite. So one focuses opposite. on the high, 
One emphasizes the high note. The other one emphasizes the low note. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. And so what you'll learn on that app and, and like through rowhuntingresources.com and stuff is, is what that means. How does that translate and why it's important for you to know that when you're in the field? Because I, I think that, again, going back to what we were just talking about, as, as elk hunters, we focus so much on like, like you, I get so many questions emailed to me, Chris, about how to do the gutless method. Okay. This is your first hunt. You're coming from Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and you're worried about how to do the gutless method on an elk. You've never yeah. been to so, so-and-so. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it because you, you do want to know how to do that. You have to be prepared. You want to know how to do that. But when, when it's, when it's March, where like, I'm going to release this and Hey, by the way, when I scheduled this, did you know it was St. Patrick's day? I didn't, that didn't even cross my mind. Nope, Not at all. I, I got home today. Now, one of us, one wife, of us, is, one of us is at least wearing a little green here. See, see oh, that, look, I, I wore my, I wore my camel hat, man. Oh, there, okay. There you uh, go. There you go. There's there. green in it. And, and my, uh, <laughs> super sexy underbridge is a green. Yeah, I'd show pink, you, but given, given that pink felt skull you're blowing, I'm I'm skeptical of that. Say <laughs> so you don't want me to show you. Yeah, no, you know, I don't. You think I might take it too far? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know it. I got home today uh, from work, and and my wife had cooked uh, corned beef and cabbage. Nice. And I'm like, she only does that once a year. It's got to be St. Patrick's Day, and she's like, Oh yeah, it's St. Patrick's Day. Oh, you got to record a podcast, huh? And I'm like, I don't care. We're good. <laughs> exactly. I Everybody's Irish either. for a day. No, I didn't think about it either. <laughs> anyway, um, I think what I was getting at is it's it's March. Guys, you listening, um, this is when it is time to like really focus on the behavioral aspect and the, and the traits of the animal that you're going to pursue. And in this case, we're talking about elk. We need to shift gears here in just a minute. But um, this is a great time to start getting that as, as to it, how it pertains to having it being second nature when it comes to time to, you know, crunch time when it's September to understand those mu differences and, and what the, the, this is not coming from, you know, Jim sitting in a hunting trailer on his, on his Idaho homestead here that doesn't know shit about shit. This is coming from a biologist that, that actually spent time in the field studying this stuff. And it, and actually, when you take it to the field, it actually means something. And I, and I've proven it. If you watch Chris's videos, uh, he proves it as well. So, uh, anything to add to that, Chris, before we, we shift gears? Yeah, because because the one thing that comes back to me all the time <coughs> is the the value of it's it's one thing when you're able to call the bull in that you want to call in or that you fill your tag. That's great. But even then, we, wind can screw you up. Other hunters can screw you up. You know, maybe you miss the shot or whatever. May, whatever happens on your hunt happens. The one thing that comes back to me consistently and why people come back and resubscribe to the elk module, the elk hunting Institute constantly is the fact that on those non kill shot opportunity, non encounters that you're, you're going to kill. If you have a calf come in or you have a cow come in, or even you just have, you, you get to hear elk on the other, on the other side of the Valley or whatever, the number of people that, that chime in are like, Holy hell. The, the satisfaction and the, the light bulb going off of when they're actually out in the woods, they hear something and they recognize it. And they're like, wait a minute, I just heard a lost view. Or wait a minute, that was an assembly view. I should be seeing, there she is. There's, there's a cow right there. Oh, she's nursing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like 
wait a minute. I watched Science, that. On, man. Yeah, I watched that on the video. I saw Chris's website. I saw Chris t- or talk about it. I saw the videos he posted and the holy shit, it's happening right in front of me. Yeah. And I understood it. Totally. And I totally. knew what was I'll, going I'll on. I'll give you. This might tickle you. Uh, this might tickle your pink little britches like you wouldn't believe. Easy now. I, I so <laughs> I I had been watching. I had just subscribed uh, to to your website and and bought the elk module. This was years okay. ago. I I don't know what year it was. I so I didn't know anything about calling an elk. I I this is what's funny. You know those old deer blinds. The they're kind of the older ones before they have the lightweight ones now that, that are pretty easy to get around or whatever. I had this old heavy one and I lugged this sucker uh, a freaking mile back into this, this spot where I'd, I'd been monitoring these elk on this trail. Right. I set this thing up and I'm sitting there with my bow and I, I put a, uh, it, it was, it was an external call. I don't even remember what kind it was again, years ago. And I start doing that. Yeah. And I, I had only got your course like two weeks before this and hadn't gotten gone through it yet. But I learned the difference between that and some other cow calls. No shit, Chris. This um, uh, yearling calf comes bursting out of the brush. And she's running up and she kind of stops in front of my blind. And she's going, meow, meow, meow. And she is like, I'm not kidding you. Two feet from my blind. Yeah. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where, Where and are that's you? exactly what she's, she's walking around the blind. Yep. She's circling me. She's making the sound. And I cow call again. As she looks around, she's like, where in the hell is this freaking call coming from? Yeah. And finally she kind of figures it out. I, the something's out of place, right? I, he's some idiot. Some dumbass Doug Flutie is sitting in a blind trying to call <laughs> me in. Yeah. And, and Oh, it was the coolest experience. It was a yeah, coolest I mean, experience, but wh- I talked to her. I had exactly. a conversation with this elk exactly. and I, I didn't know how to do that before. So I, it was just, it was great stuff. And, th- great and, that's, stuff. and that boosts your confidence. I mean, that's the thing is yeah. it, it, there, every, every now and then we're all of us are going to go out into the field and we're going to have that once that, that type of experience where everything works and we just come out feeling like the hero, like we can do yeah. nothing wrong and we're just on top of the world. But then now, the vast majority of the time we're going to go out in the field. And even, even me today, it, you, you go out there and you just get your butt whooped and you're like, what the freaking hell is going on? Yeah, yeah. If you don't have a fundamental understanding of what is going on, you start getting your self doubt. You second guess yourself. You don't trust yourself. You don't trust your setups. You want to, you start getting frantic. You start moving way too fast, way too soon. You don't let things play out. You you just, you feel the urgency. All of a sudden you go, I've got a three-day weekend or I've yeah. got a week and I, I oh crap, I, I got to make something. I, I just burned a day and I didn't get it. I, nothing happened. And here I am halfway through the second day and I still haven't had a, I, I still haven't found an elk. I, I, I've got to, oh man, I, all of a sudden the panic starts to set in it and you feel like, oh, I've got to ramp this up and I got to try to make something happen. Well, sometimes what you make happen is the elk run away. Or yep. just shut up more to where if you understand what you're doing, and again, I hammer this all the time. Why? Why yep. are you doing what you're doing? If you can understand <laughs> the why, your confidence level will go exp- exponentially higher to where when you do get in those situations where the shit has hit the fan, you can be the guy that on the mountain who just takes a breath and be like, all right, hold on a minute. 
I know darn well, I was on the other side of the mountain yesterday and I looked over here and there was elk feeding in this meadow. And now I'm over here and yeah, there's elk tracks here and there's crap here. I'm the only one over here, or at least I think I'm the only one over here. Just take a moment, mm-hmm. sit, relax, assess. And again, my my philosophy, I know it's different from a lot of, I'm going to enter in at the base foundational level of communication and build up. I can always build up, mm-hmm. but if I but jump can't in go backwards, correct. Once you throw, especially if we're talking September, if we're talking about when bulls are with cows, once you throw a bugle in the mix, and when I and I'm not talking about from a distance prospecting, I'm talking about when you think you're in close pocket, you know, in the back pocket of an elk. Once you throw a bugle into the mix, there is no going back. From there on, he heard you. He he either believes yeah. that he either believes that you're a, a Doug Flutie and you're a da- you're a piece of danger. And he's going to move away or he's going to believe there's another bull in my backyard. And now it's all up to his personality, disposition, past experience and your setup and your execution on what's going to happen with that scenario. But it doesn't matter if he doesn't respond to that bugle. And then you try to go to cow calls. He's always going to think, well, okay, great. So it's a bull with cows. Never is he going to just forget that there's a bull there. The, the threat or the possibility of a threat mm. being there. Now it's just a bull with cows. Whereas mm-hmm. if you start out with calf calls or a calf and, and cow calls, that doesn't mean that there's a bull there. Now there could be, but he hasn't heard that yet. And so in his mind, there's always that possibility of maybe he can get a free lunch, so to speak, without any cost. So yeah, once you throw a bugle in that mix, you're, you're going to be pigeonholed in a certain, a certain, strategy and and i hope it works for you yeah yeah well uh i think that's a good that's a good way to well i mean how, how's your timing how, i know you're you're two hours ahead of me oh that's correct yeah so it's about 11 30 at night here i don't if you uh, dude so this has been a couple hours and it's been all out focused yeah i mean if yeah. you want if you want to uh if you want to just make this one an elk one let's just make this one elk one let's do that because otherwise, the, people people are like that's topic. two hours, and then we're going to go another three hours on the other one. I know, like, right? Yeah, we're so not. Say that. the other the other topic. I am I am so uh, enthusiastic to get your <laughs> perspective on. You are because right I, now. I, so I heard <laughs> you are I for heard, now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I heard your episode. Um, was it episode thirty where you're talking? You you go into like this case study where, and, and again, we're not going to get into it, but. Uh, I, I want to give the audience kind of a taste. Yeah, yeah you set it up. Go into kind of a case study where there is uh, some anti-hunters talking about how uh, wolves are going to save us from CWD. Yep. And and then the the response of some some pro hunters were no, the, that's not true, and here's why. And and you you have you actually debunk the pro hunting side of the argument. Uh, well, I don't not debunk not, it, but not de- but I I I don't debunk it. But True. I show I show where you the show science that it's not telling support. the whole story. Yeah, I show where the okay. science actually supports the ant or the pro wolf people, and that's really important to me because um, that this is something that that I've been I've been kind of talking about. I'm, I'm working on something on a, you know on a on a side note. I, I think that it is critical as the anti hunting movement and these pro wolf advocates 
all these folks are ramping up. They're unified. They're coming at us. They're, they've got, um, they're actually becoming more articulate um, that I've noticed the last few years. But what, what's happening is, is I feel like hunters are kind of throwing some hair trigger kind of responses out there. Correct. Um, that may not be true. And what happens is that discredits the rest of us. And so the, that, in, in fact, I was on my way home from work, listening to that episode you were talking about, and I, I'm getting just fired up. I, I'm listening to this thing. I'm, I'm fired up. <laughs> I get home and the episode still has like 30 minutes left. So uh, I turn around, I drive back to town because we live way out of town. <laughs> and I'm just kind of driving. I'm not I'm going like to the house this, yet. Yeah, I'm like doing this orbiting thing because as soon as I'm home, I always say I'm going to listen to this when I'm sitting at home. Now, it never happens. Wife doesn't let me. Kids are busy and uh, what whatever. Um, so I drove back and, and finished the episode up. And and that is kind of along the same. Not that I want to just echo what you what you talked about in that episode, because I have a lot I want to I want to add to that. But it's it's super critical that we talk about it from a sense of how accurate we are as hunters coming, coming at these arguments and, and countering some of the discussions that are being had out there and comma. Um, I don't know how to put that without there. There's a lot going on. And, and if we don't start having a little bit better representation, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yep. Um, and so that's what I really want to talk about. So maybe maybe we hop back on yeah. uh, in a couple of weeks. Would that work? What, what, what is it with you in weeks? Just like, like we'll hit pause, just come back tomorrow night, or just yeah, we come back tomorrow night. I don't care. Let me let me check here because I'm on a <laughs> I'm on a tight. My daughter's birthday's coming up, so my wife's Uh-oh. got me on a pretty tight schedule. All here. right, whenever whenever man, whenever you want. Okay. We're, I, I'm gonna we'll we'll talk about that after we 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 get done recording this. But um, yeah. I think that talking about the anti-hunting situation with a biologist is uh, uh, I think that that is going to have a lot of power behind it. Well, a bi- okay. The other flip side is a biologist that also spent what ten plus years politically engaged in Colorado polit- sportsman's politics, and it was down at the state capitol like at least once a week on committees and everything else. So mm. yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the thing is, is that's where this is why I was talking about it on my podcast. Cause like, okay, I I've been at the Capitol. I, I know our elected officials and, and I've sat and talked with, I know what works and what doesn't. And I, and I know how quickly sportsmen can be dismissed based off of BS. And yeah. I don't want people. And what my discussion was, and I hope we get into it with yours is we're going to have a lot of people that are emotionally fired up and, and, and active tilting against windmills. They're ba- or not to no that wrong, wrong, wrong. Basically they're, they're, they're throwing their activity in a direction that just ends up in the circular round file next to their desk and, and they just get ignored. And yeah. what's going to happen off that. And I mentioned this in mine is all of a sudden you're going to have all these people, you know, fired up about providing comments or whatever. And then they're going to see that their elected officials just go ahead and vote some of these things in anyway. And then they're going to get discouraged and say, see, nobody gives a shit about, I don't, I'm just going to check out and I'm, I don't give a fair, this whole thing's a corrupted blah, blah. And they throw their hands up in the air in exasperation and just walk away like they yep. did, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And we're back to square run when mm-hmm. it's just like what we talked about our elk, this whole two hours with elk, the elk are there. 
It's how you engage them on whether or not you're going to have a success in the field. It is no different engaging non-hunters. It is no different engaging anti-hunters, animal activists, let politicians, council members, com- you know, commissions. It's how you engage them. And it better yep. be with intelligence and it better be with the right tactics and it better be with honesty. Uh, intellectual honesty, intellectual honesty and accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, uh, because I have been seeing a lot of the same stuff that you have. Actually, it's, it's so funny when you, when you release that episode, I saw a very similar argument regarding the CWD thing. It it was actually, it was, (laughs) I like to poke, you know, into the fire sometimes. Um, and I follow some pro wolf advocate groups. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, and I, I'm I'm working on a book, and they they give me all sorts of just fantastic content to talk about, right? So I follow them. Sometimes I respond, and I'll I'll talk to them. But I was reading one of the threads, and that's that's exactly what somebody said. Well, it's not true, uh, you know, the CWD issue. That's not what wolves do. Blah blah blah. Anyway, I I go into this like three hour session of research. I can't find information anywhere about whether or not wolves stop CWD or whether they don't, I, I can't find, there's no, there's information on a mountain lion, like you, you were talking about in, in your episode, but the, the point I'm trying to drive at here is we need to be super careful with how we formulate these arguments and ensure that we are coming at it with the right information, because it, I don't care about the anti hunters finding out if, if we say something that's inaccurate, I don't care. They're fanatical. They're nut jobs. Don't give a shit what they think. However, there are non-hunters that are going to be reading that thread. And the non-hunters, if they find out that we're making a case uh, against the anti-hunter and they find out that we are exaggerating the truth or stretching the reality um, or just flat out lying, they will permanently discredit us. Or, igno- or, or ignoring or the us. valid point. No, or ignoring the valid points that the opposition's making. Yes, they they are going. The non-hunter is going to seek the most reasonable person in the room, mm-hmm. and unless we are that always that person, they don't care. They have no vested yeah, interest. In it. So no. So that, I, dude, I, we yeah we yeah. absolutely need to have this conversation. But I joke about doing it tomorrow night, and I and I mean that or as soon because you know as much as I do. If we wait two weeks, how many activists? How many new things are going to pop up? How many calls to action are we going to have? How many people are going to get fired up about doing this? That I mean, the longer this goes, these discussions are are put on the back burner. The less information people have to be effectual yep. in their stuff. So uh, sooner, yep. the, that's why I did that discussion when I did. Um, I mean, on my I'm podcast, it's three hours here. and forty minutes, but I had that. You know, that's why I had the conversation because you it, know what I'm going to do. Uh, that that and, and it was it was fantastic. I encourage everybody listening jump on uh, row hunting resources on the on the whatever the you listen to Apple Podcasts or Spotify yep. or whatever. Yep. Wherever wherever you can get them, and uh, check out the last few episodes because they're they're super enlightening. Um, I was super excited when you started getting a little more consistent with your episodes coming out. I I I, I thought I'm I was going to have to come to Kansas and track you down because I hadn't seen an episode for a while. I and that's <laughs> and that's so I'm I am committing. To at least having, I'm going to try, and so far I've been to at least have one every, at least one a week, and and released on Monday. 
That's what I'm trying oh, to do. And, and I might have, I might have more, you know, as they come, but I'm trying to get at least a podcast podcast out every Monday. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm going to do with this one, Chris, is I'm going to, I'm going to release this as a surprise school of September episode, because that's all we talked about. And, and I, I think, I think there's some great information in there, man. So, yeah. Yeah. um, I'm going to release it that as that, uh, this next week, but, um, Let's let's wrap this up and you and I can figure yep. out a time to, to reschedule this other this other topic that we want to talk about. Fair sure. enough. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. All right, man. I, I appreciate it. Thanks uh, for listening, uh, folks. It's, yeah. it's weird. You're you're controlling the recording. You actually have to stop it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say <laughs> you can say whatever you want. and I can talk as much as I want. No, obviously you can edit try it to blackmail me. Yeah, no, I, you can I, I edit it at the end. But no, if, if anybody yeah. wants to more dive into more of this. Everywhere you want to find me, it's just always row hunting resource, row hunting resources, yep. R O E hunting resources. And you'll, you'll probably find me there. Start on the website guys. And that'll all be in the show notes as, as yeah. usual. We'll put all uh, Chris's stuff in there and get that app, get the app. Uh, super, super important for you guys. There's plenty of time. And I talk about it. You know, when we talk about the elk collective, Chris is featured in the elk collective, which I was super excited about. Well, I need it. Uh, so John got a hold of me that he was talking about antler. He had a question about antler growth and sheds and cycling, all that type uh-huh. of stuff. I'm like, you know, I just kind of, I was like, John, you do realize I have an entire video on that. Already? On He's like, already, seriously? Yeah. He's like, you got to yeah. share that to the elk collective. I'm like, maybe I will. So I've got to, I've got to pull that <laughs> one out. Maybe I'll, I'll pitch that one over. Like, yeah, you should. Well. You should. It's really good stuff. So cool, man. Thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Push All the right. stop button and we'll uh, we'll set this up. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> Stay safe, my friend. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain